Hi, it's Amy Siskin of The Weekly List and author of the book, The List, and welcome to episode 109 of The Weekly List Podcast, which accompanies week 192 on The Weekly List website, theweeklylist.org, and corresponds to the week ended July 18th, 2020. Welcome. So this week, the coronavirus raged out of control in many states. And what did Trump do? He sought to discredit Dr. Anthony Fauci with several members of the regime this week, publicly attacking Fauci's credibility. Reporting indicated that Trump has lost interest, meanwhile, in the pandemic, saying that he doesn't want to be distracted by it and he's really not working on it anymore. Even as the country this week hit a shocking record 77,000 cases in a single day. As Trump continued his fall in the polls this week, he fired his campaign manager, but stuck with his strategy of us versus them. And this week, his new theme is the white suburbs. We're going to be talking about that. And a new test this week of authoritarian boundaries, Trump sent federal law enforcement to Portland, Oregon. That's this week's photo where they're gassing protesters and rubber bullets and taking them off the streets and unmarked cars. What fun. Uh, And also Trump looking now to hide the pandemic by ordering hospitals to send data directly to Washington and bypass the CDC. So a lot to talk about this week as we get closer to the election. The election is now in 107 days as we speak here. I'm going to go through the list, some noteworthy items up top, uh, one of which is we've hit another milestone, and that is 20,000 lies since he took office. Some perspective, he reached his first 10,000 lies in 827 days, averaging 12 per day. For the second 10,000 to reach 20,000, it took him half of that, just 440 days. He's averaging 23 lies a day. So when America feels exhausted, that's a big part of it. The news cycle nonstop, the chaos, the lies, it just wears you down. And that's authoritarianism by design. There was an interesting column this week by a conservative writer in the New York Times, David Brooks, and one of his paragraphs is, what will it be like when Biden potentially wins? And the first sentence was, it will be quiet. And I think many of us feel, as I record this podcast, and we are 16 weeks away from the election, uh, that the idea of not having to wake up to frantic news, to tweets, to anxiety, to anger, to racism, to bigotry, to forced emergencies, to inaction as thousands of Americans die each week. Tens of thousands, hundred thousands this week are infected and our government has no response. So we're going to get into the rest of it. Here we go. On Saturday, Trump was seen wearing a face mask for the first time during a visit to Walter Reed National Military Medical Center to meet wounded service members and COVID-19 healthcare workers. Before he left the White House and got on the helicopter, Trump told reporters, quote, when you're in the hospital, especially, I think it's a great thing to wear a mask. He only wore the mask inside the hospital. 
And if you thought this was going to be the start of setting a good example for the country, you were wrong. This is still the only time that we start off this week and end this week with one time of Trump wearing a face mask. Uh, the story that we left with last week, the story of Trump granting clemency to Roger Stone, we pick up this week on Saturday, Robert Mueller broke his silence for the first time since stepping down as special counsel, rebuking Trump's Tr Roger Stone clemency in an op-ed saying, quote, Roger Stone remains a convicted felon and rightly so. Mueller wrote, we found, quote, numerous links between the Russian government and Trump campaign, including Stone and Russia, quote, perceived it would benefit from a presidency and worked to secure that outcome. That's a big. Again, Russia perceived it would benefit from a Trump presidency and worked to secure that outcome. Mueller also noted Stone lied about the identity of his intermediary to WikiLeaks the existence of written communications with his intermediary and his communication with the Trump campaign, as well as tampering with a witness. Mueller added, quote, we made every decision in Stone's case on the facts and the law. And those who, quote, conducted these investigations and prosecutions acted with the highest integrity, adding, quote, claims to the contrary are false. And those are claims made by Trump. On Saturday, Trump shot back at the only two Republican senators who criticized his clemency, calling Senators Pat Toomey and Mitt Romney rhinos and saying they have no problems with the actions of his enemies. Imagine that, folks, granting clemency to somebody who basically agreed not to rat you out and only two out of 53 Senate Republicans would even speak out against it. Speaking of which, none of them have spoken up against Trump's unwillingness to retaliate or call out Russia in any way for targeting U.S. troops in Afghanistan and perhaps succeeding. Not a single Republican. On Sunday, the editorial board of the conservative National Review criticized Trump's commutation of Stone's sentence, calling it indefensible, saying he was justly convicted. So, again, uh, you know, it's unbelievable. And even the National Review saying that he did deserve to go to jail. On Sunday, Senate Judiciary Chair Lindsey Graham said Mueller may be invited to testify, tweeting Democrats on the panel have previously requested it and quote, that request will be granted, although we heard nothing about it all week. On Saturday, NBC News reported that turnout was a factor in Trump canceling his scheduled rally in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, that was supposed to take place Saturday night. The New Hampshire GOP state party scrambled all week to get people to attend. On Saturday, in an interview with The Times, Elaine Duke, who served as Department of Homeland Security acting secretary following Hurricane Maria, said Trump considered selling Puerto Rico. Duke said Trump asked, quote, can we outsource the electricity? Can we sell the island, you know, or divest the asset? She added the idea was never seriously considered or discussed after Trump raised it. On Saturday, the Scotsman reported the, uh, you know, and again, I, have to, what's all, I mean, we just read these things in normal times with a normal leader of our country. If they said, can we sell Puerto Rico? That would be front page news for weeks. 
This one didn't even get mentioned barely. It was like dug out of an interview and barely like meant, uh, it was like one story for a nanosecond one day. On Saturday, the Scotsman reported the Trump Organization plans to build, quote, a new coastal retreat in Scotland, targeting retirees and wealthy golf enthusiasts, the largest foreign development since Trump took office. On Sunday, Trump golfed at one of his properties for the 277th time as the coronavirus surged. He defended himself, tweeting, quote, my exercise is playing a quick round of golf. He was seen driving a golf cart. Trump also lied, claiming, quote, Obama played much more and longer rounds. Uh, Notably, Obama played 102 rounds at this point in his presidency. Adding, quote, when I play fake news, CNN and others scream, President Trump is golfing. Trump also tweeted, quote, we have now built 240 miles of his wall and 450 miles will be built by year end. Adding, quote, the radical left Democrats want open borders for anyone, including many criminals, to come in. Trump also tweeted, quote, no, radical left anarchists, agitators, looters, or protesters will be knocking down or harming statues or monuments, threatening, if they try, if they even try, an automatic 10 years in prison. Sorry. So he's, again, sticking on this divisive theme. On Sunday, Education Department Secretary Betsy DeVos told State of the Union she wants schools fully reopened in the fall, saying, quote, kids need to be in school, they need to be learning, they need to be moving ahead. When asked if she can assure parents and teachers they will not catch the virus, DeVos said, well, the key is the kids have to get back to school. And there are, quote, really good examples that have been used in the private sector. It was unclear what she meant because most of the private sector that can afford to work remotely is working remotely. DeVos told Fox News Sunday schools could lose funding, saying, quote, American investment in education is a promise to students and their families. If schools aren't going to reopen, they shouldn't get the funds. On Sunday, U.S. Surgeon General Jerome Adams, wearing a face mask for the first time on TV, told Face the Nation the Trump regime is, quote, trying to correct its guidance on face masks, adding, quote, but it's very hard to do. On Sunday, Admiral Brett Giroir, the who leads the regime's testing efforts, told this week that we, quote, we expect deaths to go up over the next two to three weeks, noting, quote, you have more cases, more hospitalizations. On Meet the Press, he criticized Dr. Anthony Fauci, saying, quote, I respect Fauci a lot, but Fauci is not 100% right, and he doesn't necessarily, he admits that, have the whole national interest in mind. On Sunday, Florida reported 15,300 new daily cases, a U.S. record. Governor Ron DeSantis, who has now been rebranded, quote, hashtag death Santis, has resisted calls for mandatory statewide face masks inexplicably. The U.S. reported more than 60,000 new daily cases three days in a row. On Sunday, NBC News reported the White House is actively seeking to discredit Fauci. An official gave NBC a list of nearly a dozen past comments by Fauci that the official said has ultimately proven to be wrong. The move was characteristic of opposition research used in political campaigns, seeking to discredit and marginalize an opponent, even as the virus surged and the U.S. passed 135,000 deaths 
and 70,000 daily cases. The Washington Post reported Trump approved approved attacking Fauci and because he is polling better than him. A recent New York Times Siena poll found 67% of respondents say they trusted Fauci for accurate information, while just 26% believe Trump. That's pretty low, 26%. That means your own party doesn't believe you. On Sunday, the Washington Post reported long delays in getting coronavirus test results with some states struggling to get them within seven days, which is the whole purpose of testing, to figure out if you have it so you don't spread it. Others are taking even longer than seven days and are making the results virtually useless and stopping spread. The rising demand for testing caused shortages of swabs, chemical reagents, and equipment. The delay in testing has made it impossible to replicate the models that successfully worked in other countries, test, trace, and isolate. On Sunday, Business Insider reported Japanese authorities demanded answers after major COVID-19 outbreaks at two U.S. Marine bases there, saying they were, quote, shocked and furious at the U.S. not taking it seriously. On Sunday, Axios reported in an effort to trap leakers, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows is feeding specific nuggets of false information to staffers to see if it gets passed on to reporters, because I'm sure there's nothing else to do than work on that. On Monday, Trump quoted a tweet by his social media director, which was a video clip of Biden, and added, quote, is this what you want for your president? With no ratings, media will go down along with our great USA. And that's Trump's vision of what it is to be president, having great ratings. Trump also tweeted, quote, never in history have police been treated so badly, as in, quote, Democrat-run cities, which he called a mess. And, quote, radical left politicians that are treating them so badly and so disrespectfully. Trump also complained again about Fox News, tweeting, quote, so hard to watch, adding, quote, their contributors are a disaster and all over the place. The radical left has scared Fox into submission. Trump also tweeted, quote, the silent majority will reign. And also tweeted, quote, the lamestream media is not talking about what is happening with the stock market and jobs in capital letters jobs. The radical left will destroy the USA. Trump also retweeted former game show host Chuck Woolery sharing a tweet on coronavirus saying, quote, everyone is lying. The CDC, media, Democrats, our doctors, not all, but most that we are told to trust. So again, Trump is amplifying that precise quote from Chuck Woolery. Um, Later Monday, same day, Woolery retweeted, quote, to further clarify and add perspective, COVID-19 is real and it is here. My son tested positive for the virus. By Thursday, Woolery's Twitter account no longer existed. On Monday, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo told reporters, quote, Trump's COVID scandal makes what Nixon did at Watergate look innocent. Nobody died in the Watergate scandal. Thousands of people are going to die in this. I, I just want to just put in some context these tweets and why I'm, I'm including them when he, uh, we're again in the midst of this major uprise in the coronavirus cases, 70,000 at this point early in the week, after three days of more than 60,000. 
Remember when Governor Cuomo was leading New York through this and other states like New Jersey and Massachusetts and Michigan, some of the early states had it, we never got above 40,000 daily cases. We're now almost double that. And what's Trump doing all morning? He's tweeting, tweeting various crap and trying to discredit the scientists. And then we have, I mean, this literal situation of Chuck Woolery saying, don't believe them, then his son testing positive, and then him pulling out of Twitter. This is happening. On Monday, Anthony Fauci said on a webinar on COVID-19 that it is, quote, clearly the most challenging public health crisis he's ever dealt with, including HIV, Ebola, and Zika, and anthrax. And he, quote, we haven't even begun to see the end of it. On Monday, three states, including hard-hit California, New Mexico, and Oregon, put new restrictions on indoor activities, rolling back their reopening. Wyoming extended restrictions. On Monday, NPR reported the military is deploying 740 military health professionals to Texas and California to help with the surge in those states. On Monday, White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany told Fox and Friends the regime will, quote, leave it to localities to create guidelines for reopening schools. Last week, the regime said it would supply guidelines. On Monday, federal judge Amy Berman Jackson demanded more information on Trump's clemency for Stone, ordering the parties to provide her with a copy of the executive order by Tuesday. On Monday, NBC News reported 17 states in the District of Columbia sued the Trump regime over its rules that take visas from international students, calling it, quote, cruel, abrupt, and an unlawful action. On Monday at a roundtable on law enforcement, Trump repeated the surge on coronavirus, blaming, quote, when you get tests, you create cases. So we've created cases. Trump also blamed Obama and Biden, saying, quote, Biden and Obama stopped their testing. They just stopped it. You probably know that. I'm not sure you want to report it. Of course, we know COVID-19 did not exist when Obama was in office, so it's impossible that he would have tested for it. Trump continued to stoke division, saying, quote, when you have 20 people killed, 22 killed in one weekend in Chicago, and you have 88 shootings, that's not even conceivable. That's worse than Afghanistan. Trump also said the federal government may need to, quote, take over cities to combat rising crime, adding, quote, numbers are going to be coming down even if we have to go in and take over cities. Attorney General William Barr praised Trump at the roundtable, saying, quote, first, let me say what an honor it is to serve under the president who is such a strong supporter of law enforcement. Attorney General Barr, however, made no mention of granting clemency to Stone. Later Monday, speaking to reporters, Trump said he does not rule out pardoning Michael Flynn as well, saying he will wait, quote, until I find out what's going to happen, adding, quote, I think he's going to do very well with his case. On Monday, Arizona Central reported on a photo showing Governor Doug Ducey at a graduation barbecue with no face mask or social distancing, despite his administration giving that advice to help stop the spread. On Monday, NBC News reported Kimberly Chavez Lopez Baird, a beloved Arizona elementary school teacher, died of COVID-19 after sharing a classroom for summer school with two teachers turned out also to test positive. On Monday, a photo of Texas Senator Ted Cruz flying aboard American Airlines without a mask was shared on social media. 
Cruz's office claimed he was drinking coffee, but he was later seen in a terminal as well without one. Cruz is the chair of the Senate Commerce Subcommittee, which has jurisdiction over airlines and the FAA. In June, American Airlines said masks are required on flights and can be removed to eat or drink. On Monday, Texas Governor Bill Lee signed into law a six-week abortion ban amidst a surge in cases there. Tennessee saw over 3,300 cases that day, and that's what the governor was consuming himself with. Federal judge quickly blocked the measure. On Monday, Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms blasted Governor Brian Kemp for stopping her efforts to impose more restrictions amid the state's surge in cases, calling it, quote, baffling. Ironically, New York State is helping Atlanta with testing. On Monday, Florida Governor DeSantis finally started sharing data on COVID-19 hospitalizations. Data showed more than 8,000 were hospitalized, up from 7,000 on Friday. On Monday, the New York Times reported an analysis by nonpartisan consumer advocacy, advocacy group Families USA found a record 5.4 million Americans lost health care between February and May, higher than any single year on record. On Monday, Dan Scavino, the White House Deputy Chief of Staff for Communications, posted a cartoon mocking Anthony Fauci, likening him to a faucet drowning Uncle Sam and adding, quote, sorry, Dr. Fawcett. The cartoon was drawn by artist Ben Garrison, whose work is often promoted by the alt-right. Garrison was disinvited from a White House event because his work contains anti-Semitic messaging. On Monday, Trump ally Stephen Moore told the Daily Beast that he is preparing a new assault on Fauci, showing, quote, times Dr. Fauci has been wrong during not just this pandemic, but during his entire career. Moore said he and his team at the Committee of to Unleash Prosperity have been working on the memo for weeks and that they will send their final product to the White House and Trump to publicize it once ready. On Monday, a man in a MAGA hat in Kansas flashed a gun at a barbecue restaurant when a student working there asked him to wear a mask as ordered by the governor. The state had a record 1,080 cases on Monday. On Tuesday, Sean Ruiz, who is 43, stabbed a 77-year-old man after an argument at Quality Dairy Store in Easton County, Michigan, over his refusal to wear a mask. So again, Trump's lack of willingness to set an example has set off this war within our country over wearing masks. and putting citizens against citizens and putting Republican governors against mayors trying to protect their cities where cases are surging. On Monday, in response to requests from its football players, University of Texas announced it will make sweeping changes, including renaming a hall and field and erecting a statue for UT's first black football letterman. On Monday, the NFL Washington Redskins announced the team would change its name following pressure from sponsors. Owner Daniel Snyder had fiercely resisted calls to do so for more than two decades. On Monday, McKennedy told reporters Trump believes the Native American community, quote, would be very angry about the NFL team name change, saying, quote, these names, these team names, they name their teams for strength, not weakness. I'm sure the Native American community is something that Kaylee McKennedy and Trump are very in sync with. 
I mean, what a stupid statement. Sorry. On Monday, the New York Times reported that the State Department quietly lifted a ban on sales of silencers to private overseas buyers. Intending to protect U.S. troops from ambushes was the purpose of the ban after efforts by gun industry lobbyists. Michael Williams, as American Suppressor Association General Counsel, tried for two years to overturn this ban. Then as a White House lawyer, he passed it through. ASA could make $250 million a year by lifting the ban. On Monday, a New York judge lifted the restraining order on Mary Trump's book on the eve of its release, citing the First Amendment and the John Bolton case of the horse being out of the barn. On Monday, a federal judge in Indiana halted what would have been the first execution in 17 years, saying the execution, quote, poses an unconstitutional, unconstitutionally significant amount of serious pain. The Trump regime said it would appeal. On Tuesday, the Supreme Court ruled 5-4 to go ahead with the execution. Attorney General Barr said Lee, quote, finally faced the justice he deserved. So again, our first execution in 17 years. On Tuesday, four bipartisan former CDC directors wrote in an op-ed, quote, no president ever politicized its science the way Trump has, adding, quote, we're seeing the terrible effect of undermining the CDC play out. On school reopenings, they said, quote, it is extraordinary for guidelines to be undermined after their release, and noting, quote, sadly, we are not even close to having the virus under control, quite the opposite, in fact. On Tuesday, Journal of American Medicine editor Howard Bosher said the, quote, whisperings, innuendos, and attacks from the White House and others on Fauci are, quote, unseemly and unfair and show a lack of commitment to public health. On Tuesday, Girwar told the Today Show on accusations of public health officials lying, quote, we may occasionally make mistakes based on information we have, but none of us lie. We are completely transparent. On Tuesday, CDC Director Robert Redfield warned on a webinar that the, quote, fall and winter of 2020 and 2021 are going to be probably one of the most difficult times we've experienced in American public health. Redfield said the pandemic could be brought under control over the next four to eight weeks if, quote, we could get everybody to wear a mask right now. He noted, quote, ample evidence of asymptomatic spread. So again, we have the leader of our country unwilling to wear a mask or put in a mandate, even as the head of the CDC says this winter and fall could be the worst in public health industry health history, and that we could make things much better. In fact, in the next four to eight weeks, we could, if everyone would wear a mask, we could control the virus, and yet Trump is unwilling to do so. Redfield also contradicted Fauci, blaming, quote, a lot of Northerners deciding to go south for vacations for the outbreak in several Southern states rather than their reopening too soon. Also Tuesday, Philadelphia Mayor Jim Kenney formally announced the city would cancel all large outdoor events, including the Philadelphia Marathon, through at least February 28th due to the pandemic. On Tuesday, the Sun Sentinel reported 31% of children in Florida tested positive. Public health officials warned that not much is known about the long-term health consequences on the virus for children. 
And again, I say that while we are discussing school reopenings, we're not even discussing. We have Trump and Betsy DeVos mandating, if they want public funding, uh, that schools reopen. Uh, just crazy times. On Tuesday, a Axios Ipsos poll found most Americans say it would be too risky to send their children back to school in the fall, including 82% of Democrats, 53% of Republicans, as well as 89% of Black Americans. On Tuesday, a Gallup poll found GOP governors are losing residents' support on COVID-19. Now just 43% say their governor communicates clearly. If they're a Republican, that's down from 54% a month ago. Democrats were stable at 58%. On Tuesday, CNN reported both Canada and Mexico, ironically, have extended their U.S. border closure for another month till at least late August amid spikes of confirmed cases across the United States. On Tuesday, the White House launched a new ad campaign called, quote, Find Something New, which encouraged people who are unemployed or unhappy with their jobs to go, quote, find something new. The campaign was the brainchild of the White House's American Workforce, Workforce Policy Advisory Board, which is co-chaired by Ivanka and Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross, quite a power duo. Finding a job has taken on a new urgency in the pandemic, but I guess you all didn't know. All you have to do is find something new. No worries for the tens of millions who have lost their jobs in recent days. On Tuesday, the Trump regime rescheduled its order, excuse me, rescinded its order that would have stripped international students of their U.S. visas if the college was holding online courses and said it will reinstate a policy giving flexibility. The federal judge overseeing the case brought by Harvard and MIT, which was set to go to trial Tuesday, announced in a Massachusetts court that the government and plaintiffs had reached a resolution. So he backed off on that. On Tuesday, NBC News reported internal documents showed the, national, the strategic national stockpile and the Federal Emergency Management Agency have inadequate stockpile amid the latest coronavirus surge. The disclosure came as Trump and senior regime officials pressured states to reopen. For example, the federal stockpile has fewer than 900,000 gloves in reserve after shipping 82.7 million of them. The federal stockpile has have 29,000 pairs of goggles on hand and has only been able to provide 29% of the 4.9 million requested. Same for surgical masks. On Monday, and again, this is something, you know, we should have seen coming. Uh, you know, it's we're flat-footed the first time, we're flat-footed the second time. On Tuesday, in an interview with CBS News, when asked why Black Americans are dying at the hands of law enforcement, Trump said, quote, so are white people. What a terrible question. So are white people. Asked about his defense of the Confederate flag, Trump said, quote, all I say is freedom of speech. It's very simple. My attitude is freedom of speech. Very strong views on the Confederate flag. With me, it's freedom of speech. On Tuesday, the Trump regime ordered hospitals to bypass the CDC. This is like ring, 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 authoritarianism. The Trump regime officials ordered hospitals to bypass the CDC and send all coronavirus patient information to a central database in Washington in a notice from the Department of Health and Human Services. The move alarmed public health experts 
who fared the data, including daily data on how many people are being treated and how many beds and ventilators are available, will be distorted for political gain. You think? On Tuesday, Trump said he would appoint controversial former aide Sebastian Gorka to the National Security Education Board, which oversees the government's national security education program. On Tuesday, it was called a news conference in what was called a news conference in the Rose Garden, uh, carried live by CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News. Trump gave a 57-minute monologue then only six minutes for questions. The speech was heralded as an announcement of new measures against China to punish it for its oppression of Hong Kong, but Trump quickly went off speech to a campaign-style rally running from one topic to another. Trump drifted on topics often in run-on sentences from China to the Paris Accord to crumpling highways to the economy to energy taxes to trade with Europe to illegal immigration to crime in Chicago. Trump also repeatedly attacked Biden, saying he would get rid of windows if elected, adding he would, quote, abolish the suburbs and had, quote, gone so far right, seeming to mean gone left. Trump also challenged Biden's mental acuity. The White House reporter for The Times noted, quote, even for those who follow Mr. Trump regularly and understand his shorthand, it became a challenge to follow his chain of thought. One senior official said Trump's initially planned speech may have devolved into a rambling monologue because Biden received extensive television coverage earlier in the day for his $2 trillion climate plan. Fox News covered Trump's speech in its entirety after anchor Brett Baer noted, quote, had President Obama made this kind of speech in the Rose Garden, Republicans on Capitol Hill would likely have been up in arms. NBC News veteran Andrea Mitchell tweeted, quote, I have covered seven presidents. I have never seen a POTUS use the Rose Garden or any White House platform to launch a political attack against his opponent for re-election. Later Tuesday, Ivanka tweeted a photo of her holding a can of Goya beans with the caption, quote, if it's Goya, it has to be good in English and Spanish. Ethics Watchdog said the tweet violated the standard Standards on Conduct, known as the Hatch Act. The White House defended Ivanka, saying, quote, only the media and the cancel culture movement would criticize Ivanka for showing her personal support for a company that has been unfairly mocked, boycotted, and ridiculed. On Friday, Crew filed an ethics complaint over Ivanka's photo with the U.S., with, excuse me, the Office of Government Ethics, calling it a violation of the Hatch Act. Crew also filed ethics complaints with the White House on the White House Chief of Staff for two Fox News appearances in which Meadows advocated for Trump's re-election against Biden, saying those also violated the Hatch Act. On Tuesday, USA Today ran an op-ed by White House Trade Advisor Peter Navarro, which claimed Fauci, quote, has been wrong about everything I interacted with him on. The column ran in print on Wednesday. Navarro claimed Fauci fought against stopping flights from China, flip-flopped on the use of masks, and said there was only anecdotal evidence on hydrocloxiquin, despite one study showing it reduced mortality. Amid criticism of its publication, later Wednesday, USA Today ran a fact-check story by its Washington reporter examining five of Navarro's claims. Also later Wednesday, a note by Bill Sternberg 
editorial page editor, admitted USA Today had solicited and published the column, but that it was, quote, misleading and did not meet fact-checking standards. On Wednesday, a White House spokesperson said the op-ed, quote, didn't go through the normal White House clearance process and is the opinion of Peter alone, and that Trump values expertise of the medical professionals. Asked by reporters if he was okay with what Navarro wrote, Trump Trump said, quote, I get along very well with Dr. Fauci. And when pressed to add, quote, that's Peter Navarro, but I have a very good relationship with Dr. Fauci. Trump added, quote, he made a statement representing himself. He shouldn't be doing that, adding, quote, we're all on the same team, including Dr. Fauci. Chief of Staff Meadows added the op-ed, quote, was an independent action that was a violation of well-known protocols and that Trump, quote, did not approve it and, quote, publicly noted that Peter should not have written this. It's called throwing everyone now under the bus. (laughs) Later Wednesday, in an interview with The Atlantic, Fauci called the White House efforts to discredit him, quote, bizarre, adding, quote, I cannot figure out in my wildest dreams why they would want to do it. Fauci also noted the talking points released by the White House paint him as inaccurate on the coronavirus were, quote, nonsense, saying, quote, I stand by everything I said, contextuality all the time, at the time I said it, it was absolutely true. Fauci added, I quote, I think they realize now that that was not a prudent thing to do because it's only reflecting negatively on them. Instead of Navarro's op-ed, quote, I can't explain Peter Navarro, He's in a world by himself. On Wednesday, and this was quite a thing, a Quinnipiac poll found Biden leading Trump 52 to 37, up from 49-41 a month ago. Biden's lead with independents grew from 51-34 up to 40, from 43-40. So up from 18 points from only three points in a couple of months. The poll also found... And here's some shocking numbers. 31% think Trump is honest, just 31%. So that means a lot of Republicans don't think he's honest. 35% say he has good leadership skills. 37% think that Trump cares about an average American. On coronavirus information, 30% trust Trump, 67% trust Fauci. On Trump's handling of the coronavirus, just 35% approve, 62% disapprove. And 62 to 31 say he is hurting rather than helping contain the spread. His overall approval was down to 36 approve, 60 disapprove, his worst since April 2007, excuse me, August 2017. On school reopening, 61% disapprove of Trump's handling of it, 29% approve. On Russian bounty, 59% said they do not trust Trump. And by a poll of 62 to 25, say they are not satisfied with Trump's response to the reports. On Wednesday, Walmart announced the company will require face masks in all its U.S. stores starting July 20th, becoming the largest company to impose restrictions. On Wednesday, CNN reported Los Angeles and San Diego schools will extend remote learning into the fall. However, Orange County voted to fully reopen schools with no social distancing or masks. On Wednesday, Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt announced he had tested positive for COVID-19. The state had a record 993 daily cases on Tuesday, as many 
before as many as the state had from June 1 to June 10th before Trump's rally. On Tuesday, Mississippi Today reported after years of activism, a Confederate monument at the entrance of University of Mississippi was removed. The statue will be moved to a nearby cemetery. On Wednesday, the city council in Asheville, North Carolina, passed a resolution 7-0, approving apologizing to its black residents for the city's role in slavery and racist discriminatory practices past and present. The resolution also calls for reparations in the form of investment in their community, such as increasing minority home ownership, increasing minority business ownership, and career opportunities. On Wednesday, the U.S. surpassed 3.5 million cases. The outbreak has increased in 41 states in the past two weeks. More than 137,000 Americans have died. In Kansas, Governor Laura Laura Kelly said, quote, I can in good conscience open schools. In Ohio, Governor Mike DeWine said, quote, this is not a drill. It certainly is not a hoax. The enemy is here. California hit a record 11,000 daily cases. So again, kind of sticking these stories in and out as we go during the week because the underlying background of everything that's happening in our country is this virus is getting out of control. And I mentioned the Oklahoma governor tested positive and his state has nearly 1,000 cases. Uh, That's thanks to Trump's visit. Last week, the public health official in Tulsa said there was a spike there since Trump's visit. So these actions, not only Trump's unwillingness to put on a mask, but holding a rally that would infect Americans and just not caring, just turning the page like nothing happened. Uh, And we're hearing more and more states again. I just talked about Kansas, Ohio. On Wednesday, as Vice President Mike Pence planned an indoor rally in Ripon College in Wisconsin, the school's president emailed campus that there was a, quote, mixed response and the school was only renting a room to the campaign. On Wednesday, Trump sent a series of tweets. Trump attacked Biden, saying, quote, has anybody seen or reviewed the written pact between Bernie Sanders and Sleepy Joe, calling it, quote, the guaranteed destruction of America. Trump also tweeted his support for Goya, saying, quote, Goya Foods is doing great. The radical left smear machine backfired. People are buying like crazy, calling, causing fresh calls from the Latino community to boycott the company. Trump also tweeted, quote, Fox and Friends, while the show was airing, saying, quote, 82 and 2, really, 82 and 2, really won in endorsements, as well as Fox being critical. Has anyone done well? And he was, that is referring to Jeff Sessions losing. So he's criticizing Fox, but claiming falsely that his record is 80, 81 wins and one loss for endorsements. Trump also tweeted, quote, 96% approval rating of President Trump and the Republican Party. That's obviously false. Uh, Notably, major media outlets have stopped covering these tweets. So I'm just adding them from a base that tracks all Trump's tweets. But a lot of these, just to be consistent, I keep in the list to show you the repetitive lies, like his 96% approval with the Republicans. But the media is not covering them in their stories a lot of times. Now, they're just kind of ignoring him. Uh, which is normalizing him. Trump also made reference to a controversial opinion writer leaving the Times, tweeting, quote, wow, 
The Times is under siege, adding, quote, they never covered me correctly. They blew it. People are fleeing a total mess. Trump also tweeted, quote, the Biden-Sanders unity plan takes a sledgehammer to charter schools, punishing students for their zip codes. No one will be safe in Joe Biden's America. And Trump tweeted, quote, Biden and the radical left want to abolish police, abolish ICE, abolish bail, abolish suburbs, abolish the Second Amendment, and abolish the American way of life, adding, quote, no one will be safe. So that's the third time we've heard about suburbs so far this week, which is Trump's code word for white places where white people live and wanting to keep the black people out. On Wednesday, the Washington Post reported with the coronavirus spreading out of control, Trump has no plan to address a pandemic. Almost all developed countries have managed to control the virus except the U.S. There was no national strategy apart from unenforced guidelines. When Trump makes proclamations like reopen schools, the regime did not develop plans of how to do so, leaving it to states and local authorities. The federal government is taking no role in testing or contact tracing. Experts say 5 million tests per day are needed, but just 600,000 are being conducted, and results often take more than a week to get back. On Wednesday, ABC News reported Fauci and Trump spoke for the first time since early June. That's a month and a half. A regime official said Trump, quote, characterized the call as very good and friendly, and they are, quote, working towards the same goal. On Wednesday, Fauci said in an interview with InStyle that this week was, quote, very stressful and that he did not like conflict, adding I'm an apolitical person and I don't like to be pitted against the president. Just a note, we're talking about how badly this pandemic has gotten, how it's spreading out of control. Trump is not even, not only is he not speaking to Fauci for a month and a half, he's seeking to discredit him amidst all of this happening. On Wednesday, days after last week's Supreme Court ruling against him, Trump's lawyers renewed their efforts to block the Manhattan District Attorney's access to his financial records. In a court filing with a federal judge in Manhattan, Trump's lawyers argued that the DA subpoena seeking eight years of corporate and personal tax returns was too broad and politically motivated. On Wednesday, the Twitter accounts of some of America's most high-profile politicians, including Joe Biden, Barack Obama, and Michael Bloomberg, were hacked, raising concerns about security ahead of the election. The accounts of Apple, Tesla CEO Elon Musk, Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos, and Microsoft founder Bill Gates were hijacked, given the hackers' ability to influence and sway public opinions by using those voices. On Wednesday, Governor Cuomo announced New York State would be sending PPE, test case, and other medical equipment to Atlanta, saying, quote, we are paying it forward, noting Atlanta Mayor Spottom's effort to fight the virus. Hours later, in a new executive order, Georgia's governor overruled local governments that have issued mandatory mask laws, nullifying a mask mandate in Atlanta and elsewhere. Later Wednesday, Trump replaced campaign manager Brad Pascal with veteran GOP operative Bill Stepien amid sinking poll numbers. Trump's relationship with Pascal had been strained since the failed Tulsa rally. Trump has also been pushed by allies in recent months to expand his base and define his run against Biden. In his rambling Rose Garden speech, Trump framed the election as the starkest choice in U.S. history. As a side note, he was right. 
On Tuesday, the Labor Department reported weekly jobless claims rose another 1.3 million, slightly higher than expected, and the 17th straight week of job losses in excess of 1 million. On Thursday, Gallup found a big swing in party preference in 2020. In January, 47% were Republicans or leaning, 45% were Democrats or leaning. In June, 50% were Democrats and 39% were Republicans. So it shifted from plus 2R to plus 11D. On Thursday, the UK, US, and Canadian intelligence agencies accused a Russian hacking group of targeting organizations involved in coronavirus vaccine development in the three countries. The hacking group, APT29, also known as Cozy Bear and the Dukes, was behind the malicious activity. The group was accused of hacking the Democratic National Committee before the 2016 U.S. election. Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov told Russian state news agency TASS on Thursday that, quote, Russia has nothing to do with these attempts and we do not accept such accusations. On Thursday, Maryland GOP Governor Larry Hogan wrote in an op-ed about how Trump played down the severity of the coronavirus outbreak and left states on their own, including Maryland, for testing supplies and strategy. We've talked about in the podcast how Hogan flew in, his wife is from South Korea, uh, flew in tests from South Korea and hid them once they got there so they wouldn't be confiscated by Jared and gang. That's what we had to deal with and that's what we're dealing with. On Thursday, Politico reported the RNC will significantly restrict attendance at its convention in Jacksonville. Don't forget they already moved it from North Carolina and now it's in Florida. Top officials met with Trump Monday evening. Trump has demanded an in-person convention. RNC Chair Ronna McDaniel wrote in a letter to RNC members that with coronavirus cases surging in Florida, quote, adjustments must be made to comply with state and local health guidelines. On Thursday, the Health and Human Services Inspector General found Medicare Chief Seema Verma violated federal contracting rules by steering more than $5 million in contracts that ultimately benefited GOP-aligned friends. On Thursday, and that's the kind of story in like regular times, wow, that would get some attention. Now it's just like, I don't even think anyone saw that. <laughs> this is what we're dealing with. The corruption is so rampant. The chaos is so bad. Americans are dying. They're starving. It's just... Uh, You know, I skim over these stories. I include them because this is, again, a trail map back to normalcy, but this is not normal. On Thursday, Politico reported Trump's team has launched a sweeping loyalty test, also not normal, for officials across departments, including HHS, Treasury, Labor and Commerce, and top-tier positions in the Trump regime. The one-on-one interviews being conducted are to test each official's loyalty to Trump and are meant to root out threats of leaks and other potential subversive acts in the months ahead of the election. On Thursday, in remarks on the South Lawn meant to be on deregulation, Trump again evoked the suburbs in making a play for white suburban voters using a racist and divisive message once again made against messages made against integration. Trump warned fair housing regulations designed to combat housing segregation will, quote, obliterate the suburbs, saying, quote, your home will go down in value and crime rates will rapidly rise. This is stuff like decades ago that racist people in government would use to discourage people from wanting people of color to come to their communities. 
Here we are in 2020, and this is what Trump is talking all week. All we heard about this week was the suburbs. Trump said, quote, Biden and his bosses from the radical left want to significantly multiply what they're doing now, saying the result is, quote, you will totally destroy the beautiful suburbs. Suburbia will no longer be as we know it. On Thursday, the Miami Herald reported Trump regime officials acknowledged the homestead shelter for migrant children did not conduct child abuse background checks for employees now accused of sex abuse. On Thursday, LA Times reported Mary Trump's book, Too Much and Never Enough, How My Family Created the World's Most Dangerous Man, set a first-day record for the publisher of 950,000 first-day sales. On Thursday, Florida reported 14,000 new cases and a record 156 more deaths. Governor DeSantis said the state would start shifting testing away from commercial labs that have longer delays to deliver results. He, however, has taken no steps to impose any lockdowns statewide. He has also not required masks. On Thursday, the Salt Lake Tribune reported scores of protesters without masks packed a room in Utah County Commission meeting for two hours on reopening schools to demand in-person classes without masks. On Thursday, and again, I, I include these stories to just show you we're at war in this country over whether we should wear a mask led by the leader of our country who refuses to leave one, use one, even though the science is so clear, even though the head of the CDC said if everyone wore masks, we could stop this outbreak. But it's not happening. It's incredible, just fantastical. On Thursday, ProPublica reported the CDC removed data on hospital capacity around the country from its website. I'm going to say that again. ProPublica reported the CDC removed data on hospital capacity from its website. Um, And then amid a public outcry, restored the data. The agency noted the data may no longer be updated because of a change in federal reporting requirements by the Trump regime this week for hospitals to report to HHS, not not the CDC. In a statement, HHS claimed it is, quote, committed to being transparent with the American people about the information it is collecting on the coronavirus and, quote, has directed CDC to reestablish the coronavirus dashboards. On Thursday, at the Daily Briefing, asked about online learning, McCannany said Trump, quote, has said unmistakingly that schools want to open. And his press secretary said, quote, the science should not stand in the way of this. That's obviously not true. McCannany also called Mayor Lori Lightfoot, quote, the derelict mayor of Chicago, and suggested she should request federal aid to combat the city's problems. Lightfoot tweeted, quote, hey, Karen, watch your mouth. On Thursday, in a speech at the National Constitution Center, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said the founding principles of America are, quote, under attack by protesters in the mainstream media. Again, this us versus them and the statues and our heritage and our founding principles are under attack by, again, protesters, their code for black people. Uh, and the far left. Pompeo said there, Pompeo was there to release the first report on the Commission of Unalienable Rights, which after a year's work claimed property rights and religious freedoms, the foremost unalienable rights, according to Pompeo, are under attack. Pompeo said, quote, 
report to what it means to be an American, indeed the American way of life, is under attack. Instead of seeking to improve America, leading voices promulgate hatred of our founding principles. He also criticized the New York Times 1619 project on the history of American slavery, saying, quote, they want you to believe Marxist ideology and, quote, the Chinese Communist Party must be gleeful. On Thursday, Atlanta Mayor Bottoms said, quote, a better use of taxpayer money would be to expand testing and contact tracing. If being sued by the state is what it takes to save lives in Atlanta, then we'll see you in court. On Thursday, Governor Kemp sued Mayor Bottoms and City Council to block the city from enforcing its mandate to wear masks, saying Bottoms had overstepped her authority by disobeying his executive order. Now, if that doesn't, you know, when you read that again, uh, just for context, Mayor Bottoms is a black woman. She has overstepped her authority. Uh, you know, I mean, how much more coded racism can you imagine? I, it's just incredible. And incredible that uh, in this next story, Georgia that day reported 3,400 daily cases with more than 2,800 people hospitalized. And this is what that governor is spending his time on fighting in court to take away a mask mandate in a city that's hard hit. That was their highest day on record. The state reported that 84% of its critical care beds were filled. On Thursday, the U.S. hit another daily record of 77,255 cases, according to John Hopkins, breaking a previous day record six days earlier of 67,000. California, Florida, and Texas accounted for nearly half the cases. On Thursday, 3M announced it had investigated more than 4,000 reported instances of suspected price gouging, counterfeiting, and fraud, and filed 18 lawsuits relating to N95 masks. On Thursday, Judge Dolly G delayed the deadline for the release of migrant children held by ICE until July 27th, after both parties asked for more time to negotiate how the 27 children will be released. On Thursday, Senator Dianne Feinstein announced she will introduce the amendment to the next coronavirus bill that would bar states that do not implement mass mandates from receiving stimulus funding. Later Thursday, Oregon Public Broadcasting, and this is the story that you see with this week's picture, Oregon Public Broadcasting reported that around 2 a.m. Thursday night, federal law enforcement officers in unmarked vehicles jumped out and grabbed protesters off the street in Portland. The officers wore green military fatigues and generic police patches. Mark Pettibone told The Post after leaving a peaceful protest, he was approached and was unsure if they were police or far-right extremists. Pettibone was detained and searched for a weapon. He did not have one. They drove him to a federal courthouse and placed him in a holding cell. They read him and asked, if he would waive his Miranda rights. He said no. The officers then let him go. Pettibone did not know why he was arrested or what happened to him if it legally qualifies as an arrest. He was not told why he was arrested. Legal scholars questioned the constitutionality. Civil rights activists suggested the Trump regime is testing the limits of its executive power. Federal officers from the U.S. Marshals Department and Department of Homeland Security have stormed Portland streets. Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon tweeted on Thursday, quote, A peaceful protester in Portland was shot in the head by one of Donald Trump's secret police. 
After Marshall's service, officers severely wounded a peaceful protester last Saturday. Wyden added, quote, Trump and Chad Wolf are weaponizing the DHS as their own occupying army to provoke violence on the streets in my hometown because they think it plays well with the right-wing media. There have been nightly protests in Portland in the six weeks since the killing of George Floyd. Trump said federal officers on July 10th to quell violence, at times using tear gas despite a state law that bans its use. Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler criticized DHS on Tuesday decreeing, quote, violence Violent federal officers brought to the decreeing the violence federal officers brought to our street in recent days and the life threatening tactics Wolf's agents use. Acting DHS Chad Wolf responded in a statement Thursday that Portland, quote, is under siege by, quote, a violent mob and claiming that, quote, each night lawless anarchists destroy and desecrate property. Wolf later Thursday appeared on Hannity and said he was called by, quote, not only the mayor, but the governor, and told to, quote, please pack up and go home, adding, quote, that's just not going to happen on my watch. Wolf claimed, quote, we need to make sure that we're supporting our law enforcement officers here and making sure that they're going to continue to protect the federal courthouse here. That's what DHS does. On Friday, Wolf tweeted a photo of him addressing men in camouflage and added, quote, Our men and women in uniform are patriots. We will never surrender to violent extremists on my watch. On Friday, Deputy Secretary of Homeland Security Ken Cuccinelli told Fox News, quote, What we've seen around the country is where reprehensible policing is advanced. Resp- excuse me, is where responsible policing is advanced, violence recedes. Cuccinelli added, Portland hasn't got the memo, nor have a lot of other cities, and the president is determined to do what we can within our jurisdiction to help restore peace to these beleaguered cities. So, again, they're all on Fox News, Hannity, and then Cuccinelli on Fox News the next day. This is exactly what Wyden called it. This is them appealing to their base and testing what they can do sending in federal troops that are not wanted into a state that didn't need their help and sowing division. On Friday, Governor Kate Brown tweeted, quote, I told Acting Secretary Wolf that the federal government should remove all federal officers from our streets. His response showed me he is on a mission to provoke confrontation. Brown added the tactics being used in Portland are, quote, coming from the same president who used tear gas to clear out peaceful protesters in Washington, D.C. to engineer a photo opportunity. On Friday, White House advisor, we're going to come back to that story, but let's go back to what else was happening Friday. On Friday, White House advisor Kellyanne Conway told Fox and Friends that Trump should bring back his daily briefings on the coronavirus, saying, quote, his numbers were much higher when he was out there couldn't have anything to do with how poorly he's handled the virus. (sighs) On Friday, the Washington Post reported that the rancor between Trump, who is focused on the economy and his re-election, and scientists amid the surge in cases has undermined the U.S. response, which lags other developed countries. Trump recently has committed less time to the virus. This is really something this quote I'm about to read. One advisor said of Trump, he is, quote, not really working this anymore. That's the coronavirus saying, quote, he doesn't want to be distracted by it. He's not calling and asking about data. He's not worried about cases. 
Fauci, Redfield, and even Mick Mulvaney, the White House, former White House Chief of Staff during the pandemic, the start of the pandemic, have been publicly speaking out, criticizing testing capacity and suggesting everyone should wear a mask. Nearly 90 organizations, including the American Society for Microbiology and the Infectious Disease Society of America, sent letters to Pence, head of the White House Task Force, condemning the regime's attacks on Fauci. Republican leaders, including Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and, Repub and Representative Liz Cheney, who's number three in the House, have been advised by health officials of the dire state of what is coming with flu season and the urgent need for masks. On Friday, LA Times reported as Trump sinks in the polls, he is pulling down Republicans running for the Senate too, giving Democrats their best hope of winning the White House, Senate, and House in a decade. New, new campaign finance reports filed with the FCC show Democratic candidates outpacing Republicans last quarter by a three-to-one margin. Biden said Democrats could win 55 Senate seats. On Friday, an NBC News Wall Street Journal poll found a divide emerging inside the GOP between Trump supporters, which are 53% of the party, and those who are more supportive of the party than of Trump, which is 39% of the party. Of the non-Trump Republicans, 54% approve of his handling of the coronavirus versus 92% of those who are Trump Republicans. 46 non-Trump Republicans approve of his handling of race relationship, race relations versus 91% of his base. 70% say they will vote for Trump, only 70% of non-Trump Republicans. On Friday, a Washington Post-ABC News poll found on Trump's handling of the coronavirus, 60% disapprove, 38% approve, down from 53% disapprove, 46% approve in May. Notably, 19% of Republicans disapprove of the way he is handling the coronavirus. The poll also found 52% strongly disapprove of this handling and found that more than 6 in 10 say they do not trust what Trump says about the outbreak including two and three independents and nearly three and 10 Republicans. So you can see in these polls, he's starting to lose what has been his base. So when he tweets 26, 96% approval, that's not the case any longer. On face masks, 79% of Americans report wearing a mask at least, quote, most of the time when people are around outside their home, including 57% who report wearing a mask all the time. On Friday, Governor DeSantis said in an interview he is not ordering closure of gyms despite the surge in his state, saying it, quote, doesn't make sense, citing, quote, most people who are going to the gyms are in the low-risk groups. <sighs> On Friday, an employee at Ralph's supermarket in Los Angeles used pepper spray and called the police on a man who was asked and refused to wear a face mask and then started ramming a woman with a shopping cart. On Friday, CNBC reported Trump properties have made more than $17 million from the campaign and RNC since 2016. In the second quarter alone, Trump victories steered $3 million to Trump properties. The payments also showed that on March 31st and April 1st, there were a series of 43 payments totaling $380,000 from the Trump campaign to Trump hotels for a week-long donor retweet retreat that was held in March. 
They were all really strange dollar item payments, too. Basically, Trump is, if you're donating to the Trump campaign, you're donating to Trump. <laughs> See how that works? The company also paid Las Vegas Sands, the casino company owned by Trump and GOP donor Sheldon Adelson, payments totaling 250000 in March, as Trump hoped to take part in a fundraiser at Adelson's home. On Friday, Politico reported the White House is blocking CDC Director Redfield from testifying next week in a hearing on reopening schools held by the House Education and Labor Committee. So here we are. We have data going directly to HHS, not going to the CDC. Fauci hasn't been able to speak publicly. He's doing all these one-off kind of interviews. Redfield, again, is not being allowed to testify before Congress. This is how they're covering it up. Pence has said the CDC would issue guidelines for reopening this week, and Redfield had indicated shortly as well. However, Friday, the CDC said guidance for reopening schools, a full set will be published before the end of the month. Don't forget, some schools open or are already open, and we still don't have this clarification on the CDC guidelines. It's really incredible. Like, if you're opening your school... Some of our country opens in late July. There's a lot of public schools that open in August. They don't even have guidelines yet of how to reopen. Imagine trying to plan, buy things that you need to do, set up the classrooms as you need to, and you have no help from the government. Instead, you have confusion. On Friday, House Judiciary Committee Chair Gerald Nadler said that in Trump's, said that his panel will be making markups next week to two bills meant to curtail Trump's pardon power, saying if Trump's clemency for Stone, this quid pro quo is unacceptable. On Friday, CNN reported Trump had the official portraits of former presidents Bill Clinton and George W. Bush moved from the prominent grand foyer of the White House to a rarely used room. Tradition calls for the portraits of recent presidents to be given the most prominent placement. Paintings were moved from the old family dining room outside of Trump's vantage point in the White House because he's such a small man. On Friday, Defense Secretary Mark Esper effectively banned Confederate flags from military bases, saying in a memo that the American flag is the, quote, principal flag we are authorized and encouraged to display. While not specifying which flags were prohibited, he stated, quote, flags must fly into the court to the military imperatives of good order and discipline, treating all of our people with dignity and respect and rejecting divisive symbols. On Friday, Monroe County Prosecutor Erica Oliphant announced charges against two men involved in the attempted lynching, remember we talked about this on July 4th weekend, of O. Booker outside of Bloomington, Indiana. On Friday, Trump former campaign manager Brad Parscale called the media, quote, a criminal network who, quote, have zero intention to tell the truth and said he is happy to fight with Trump against, quote, America's biggest enemy. On Friday, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, 87, announced in a letter that she had a reoccurrence of cancer, but a July 7th scan showed chemotherapy significantly reduced the liver lesions and she is fully able to work. Pray for RBG. 107 days. On Friday, NBC News reported 1,072 of the 1,798 inmates at a federal prison in Texas had tested positive, as well as 10 staff members. The outbreak in Seganville was the largest yet at a federal prison. 
On Friday, California Governor Gavin Newsom announced both the public and private schools must use online learning until the state's measures are met. He added Orange County will not be allowed to reopen despite their vote. On Friday, in a preview of his interview with Fox News anchor Chris Wallace, which is on Sunday, so we'll be hearing more about that next week, Trump was fact-checked on his assertion that they, being the Democrats, want to defund the police and Biden wants to defund the police. Wallace responds, quote, Sir, he does not. Trump falsely claimed he signed, he being Biden, signed a charter with Bernie Sanders. Wallace said the charter said nothing about defunding the police. Trump said, oh, really? Trump then said, okay, let's go, and called for someone off camera to get a copy of the charter. Later, Wallace said in a teaser clip on Fox News that Trump, quote, couldn't find any indication because there isn't any. Later Friday, Trump tweeted, quote, corrupt Joe Biden wants you to defund the police. He may use different words, (laughs) but when you look at his pact with crazy Bernie and other things, that's what he wants to do. Trump also attacked Mary Trump, tweeting, quote, his seldom seen niece, who knows little about me, says untruthful things about me and my wonderful parents who couldn't stand her and me and violated her NDA. Trump added, quote, she's a mess. Mary replied on Twitter, 5.23 million versus 5.11 million, noting her interview on MSNBC's Maddow, had more viewers than Trump's Hannity appearance in June. Mary told Rachel Maddow that she told, that she had heard Trump and other family members use the N-word and anti-Semitic language frequently. Trump did not respond. On Friday, Biden said he is now, as the presumptive Democratic nominee, receiving intelligence briefings and warned Russia is trying to meddle in the November U.S. election. Biden said the Russians are still engaging in trying to delegitimize our election process. Fact and added, China was also conducting activities, quote, designed for us to lose confidence in the outcome of the 2020 election. Kind of sounds like Trump. On Friday, in a statement, Custom and Border Patrol said agents were responsible for at least one arrest, captured in the video, claiming the person was suspended for assaulting federal officers of damaging federal property. On Friday, the ACLU filed a lawsuit against DHS and Marshal Services for blocking federal law enforcement to block federal law enforcement from dispersing, arresting, and threatening to arrest or using physical force on journalists or legal supporters, legal observers. On Friday, Oregon Attorney General Ellen Rosenbaum Blum, <coughs> filed a lawsuit against DHS U.S. Marshal Services, Customs, and Border Patrol, and Federal Protection Services for their actions and asked for a temporary restraining order. The lawsuit said their agents, quote, allegedly engaged in unlawful law enforcement in violation of civil rights of Oregonians by seizing and detaining them without probable cause. (coughs) Rosenblum said in a statement, quote, these tactics must stop. They not only make it impossible for people to assert their First Amendment rights to peacefully protest, they also, quote, create a more volatile situation in our streets. Later Friday, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi tweeted about Portland, noting, quote, unidentified stormtroopers on marked cars kidnapping protesters and causing severe injuries in response to graffiti. Pelosi added, quote, these are not the actions of a democratic republic. DHS govs 
actions in Portland undermine its mission, adding, quote, Trump and his stormtroopers must be stopped. Pelosi added, quote, First Amendment speech should never be met with one-sided violence from federal agents acting as Trump's secret police, calling it, quote, disgraceful behavior we would expect from a banana republic. On Friday, Representative John Lewis, the civil rights icon who helped organize and was the youngest keynote speaker at the March on Washington in 1963, and who was called the Conscious of Congress, died at age 80. We've lost so many people during this time with Trump. It's just heartbreaking. And to lose Elijah Cummings and John Lewis within one year. Later Friday, Trump said 35 tweets or retweets after the announcements of Lewis's death, but did not acknowledge the news in any way. On Saturday morning, Trump did not issue a statement on Lewis's death. He headed to his golf course in Virginia for his 278th round of golf since taking office. At 11 a.m., he ordered flags flown at half-staff for the remainder of the day. On Saturday, Biden said in a statement, quote, we are made in the image of God, and then there is John Lewis, and said he spoke to Lewis days before, and, quote, he asked us to stay focused on the work left undone to heal this nation. On Saturday, NBC News reported the public health director in Newsies County, Texas, said 85 infants under one years old tested positive Friday, setting a single-day record. Remember last week, John Cornyn, the senator of Texas, said young people don't catch this. 85 infants in one day, in one county. On Saturday, The Hill reported that young people are increasingly driving the spread of COVID-19 in many states around the country, prompting at least 12 states to reclose bars and restaurants. Although young people are less likely to be hospitalized and die, accounting in part for the lower mortality in the recent spike, Public health officials warned that they can act as vectors of spread to vulnerable Americans. On Saturday, the New York Times reported Dr. Deborah Burks believed in mid-April that the virus was fading and the U.S. would follow a curve like that of Italy based on models. Fauci disagreed then, saying models are only models. Meadows held daily briefings that Burks was the only health official to attend along with Hope Hicks, the chief of staffs for Jared and Pence, economic advisor Kevin Hassett, and a few others. Burks believed the news inside the White House that people were hope delivered, the news that people had been hoping for inside the White House, and said all metros are stabilizing, and the virus hit its peak. The authors of the IHME model had cautioned Burks that their model was only a snapshot. In mid-April, Trump grew impatient with stay-at-home recommendations amid high unemployment and falling poll numbers. And then, you'll recall, on April, 20, on April 16th, he shifted responsibility to the states. And then on the 17th, he tweeted, liberate. Not until early June did White House officials recognize their assumptions about the course of the pandemic were wrong. Burks discovered the virus had spread with invisible ferocity during May when states reopened. Redfield estimated in April and May they were missing 10 cases for every one they confirmed. There are now still internal divisions about publicly acknowledging the reality of the situation. Trump's disdain for testing played a role in missing the spread and allowed it to spread uncontrollably. Public health officials also noted Trump's unwillingness to wear a mask set an example that others followed. 
On Saturday, the Washington Post, and this is another shocking story as we closed out the week, Washington Post reported that the Trump regime is looking to block billions of funding for states to conduct testing and contact tracing from an upcoming coronavirus relief bill. The regime is also looking to block billions sought by GOP senators for the CDC, as well as billions more for the Pentagon and State Department to address the pandemic at home and abroad. Just notably, as you know, if you see the list online, the last story each week is the number of cases around the world and in our country so we can mark. I remember when we hit a thousand cases in our country, how shocked we were. Uh, this week we crossed 3,672,000. But just notably for the last few weeks as we went through May and June, our percentage of the world cases were slowly starting to come down in the last two weeks, slowly starting to come back up. This week, we were 26% of all cases in the world. So everyone stay involved, stay healthy. Don't forget to wear your mask, wash your hands whenever you can. Stay inside. Until next week.